0: Welcome to Optimizing, the podcast about leading Africa's digital future. I am Professor Barry Dwalatsky
1: and I am Karen Gammy.
0: Season two has the theme, Receiving and Passing the Baton. We are in conversation with people who have shaped or will shape Africa's digital future. Each conversation draws on the metaphor of life as a relay race. Our guests will talk about how they received the baton, who and what influenced them as they started life's journey. We will then discuss their own journey, how they nurtured and grew the baton in their hands. Finally, we will ask them about what it is that they will pass on to the next generation of leaders and experts. Today, we are in conversation with Toliswa Matlangu, or as I call her, Toli. Toli works as a computing curriculum developer and technology integration specialist at Future Nation schools. She is a self-proclaimed tech fairy and technophile, whose mission is to demystify tech and make it more fun and accessible to kids of all ages, I hope my age as well. She is a Microsoft Certified Innovation Educator Expert and has represented South Africa in the International Educator Exchange. She was featured in tech magazine's Mover and Shaker and has spoken at numerous youth and women in tech events. Goli has an MEng, or Master of Engineering, degree in software engineering from BITS University. So, Goli, uh, welcome. It's great to have you on this conversation. And um, as you know, this conversation is structured around the metaphor of a relay race in which we talk about how we receive a baton from those who came before us, and how we pass it on to those who come next. We are going to talk about your life journey, but before we do that, uh, let's talk a bit about how you received the baton. You have written somewhere that you accidentally fell in love with computer science. I'm intrigued to know how this happened, but before you tell us, talk a bit about what you were doing before this happened. Where did you grow up? where did you go to school? Who were your heroes and role models before you fell in love with computer science?
2: Okay, so I am a Soweto born and raised baby and I did most of my schooling in Soweto. Started at a school where my dad was a teacher and went to one of the best high schools in Soweto, uh, which had a nice computer lab that was always locked up. So. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why I never got to to know anything about um, computing until second year. And I found out about computing in the second year of uh, university because first year did not go so well, and I needed to get extra points to graduate. So I thought, hmm, maybe I should go do psychology as an extra course. Anyway, it's just for points. Got there, they showed me the textbooks, and I was like, "Uh, no, thank you. That's not for me. It's too thick of a textbook for me. (laughs) And I had remembered that one of the guys who I started with, who went to the same school, had said he was doing computer science. So I thought, hey, it's just for points. Let me um, go enroll for it. And what's the worst that could happen? So that's how I got into computer science. And the first day was uh, a challenge, a huge one. I remember struggling with just getting Python to print Hello World, when the people around me were already asking about for loops, when I knew nothing Mm -hmm. about that. I had every chance to be frustrated and leave, but because I'm not the type that quits easily, I I soldiered on. I made a few friends that helped me through it. And with time, it became a great love of mine because it's the one thing that I could do and see the results immediately. If there were bugs, I could solve them, even if it took the whole night or three days or four days. But that satisfaction at the end of the day when you actually get code to work was addictive. And that's how I fell in love with it. And that's why I say it was an accidental love affair.
0: <laughs> and that sounds really. And I think that your story—I've heard many people say it—is addictive, and it is so rewarding. Could you just go back a step and say, and I'm 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 kind of interested uh, to know who. And uh, prior to computing, who were your heroes? Who were your role models? Uh, who did you look up to?
2: Um, growing up, my biggest role model was my mom and she was my role model because she understood the math things and science things. And even though she had to leave school very early because she got pregnant as a teenager, she managed to fix her life back up again and be a very respected member of society. And except for my mom, um, Professor Pakeng was also my role model, I think around grade 10, grade 11, the program I was on uh, introduced her as a speaker, and it was like, oh, mm-hmm. black women can do this, they can be... Right.
1: And do it well.
2: Yes, they can do really well, yeah. Um, they can be respected, they can be doctors, so-and-so. So mm-hmm. when I got into varsity, that was the person I was looking at emulating, because she was it. Those are the two people which I think, before falling in love with computer science, were the it for me.
0: Yeah, and it's really important for people, I guess, to have uh, role models and heroes. I'd actually Uh, like to ask a question on that. Um,
1: so, you know, I think a lot of the, the discourse, not, not necessarily just in tech, but I, I guess just in all the things we do is just, you know, the role of representation is super, super important. And unless you're able to sort of like see someone who looks like you or embodies a similar kind of lived experience, it can be difficult to even think that you're capable of doing this thing. And I know you mentioned like your mom and, and Prof Pageng, who is, awesome. I know, uh, yeah, her Twitter is awesome. Her like, she's just very, very cool. And I'm wondering, like, sort of now have you seen like a much more um, diversified
2: um, set of representation for for women in tech? Uh, The women in tech space has grown so much from when Mm. I started. I I remember the first few meetings when I started working, you'd be the only young person in the room who happens to be a woman, who also happens to be black. So it was very daunting. But right now there's so many initiatives that have started and there's so many girls that are doing really well. Like you look back and think, there's no girl right now who think um, I can't do it. There's so many role models to look up to.
0: And that's um, something that I'd like to come back to and explore Exactly that question. Um, I'm just um, trying to, to sort of tr- track how you, y- your development went. So uh, we met when you joined the JCSE's Coach Lab. I think that's right. And uh, from Coach Lab, you went on to complete your m in uh, software engineering, which you did via the JCSE's CPD program and while you worked with me in the jcse we we were uh, developing the thinking that led to the creation of its university's own uh, digital innovation precinct in bramfontein uh, you ran the coach lab yourself so you'd been in the coach lab and then you you ran it yourself and you you worked also to uh, develop a wonderful program for school children uh, where you um, engaged with them and you brought them in and gave them role models for them to see. Um, I just, in passing, and, and, and in fact not in passing because very importantly, I must point out and acknowledge that it was you who came up with the name Tsimolo Hong for Albert's University's Innovation Precinct. So the name has gone far and you were the one who who created it. But um can we talk a bit about these programs you were in? So there was Coach Lab, there were the uh there was the C P D and the, the and, and the MN and um can you talk about uh the, the the programs, how they worked and what lessons you took from them that are useful to you now as you go forward.
2: Okay, so I'll I'll start with Coach Lab, and I'll start with the story around Coach Lab. So a friend of mine had actually applied for it. Um, I think in our um, age dip year, and she sadly did not make it, and that's how I got to know about Coach Lab. And one of the requirements for Coach Lab was that you need to be actively studying um, towards a postgraduate. And I remember not even having money to register. So I wanted Coach Lab so much. I remember going back to the computer science department and speaking to Mr. Mkunu there and asking him if there's any finance opportunities that he knows of. And he went and spoke to one of his colleagues who took some of her research money to fund, uh, my, um, uh, my honors. And that's how I got into CoachLab. And Coach Lab was a very interesting um, program for me. I had only learned computer science in HD the previous year, and now I was needing to apply it in a real work situation. And there were many flaws. Uh, there were um, projects that just didn't work for the first time. Um, it was our first encounter. It's hearing that the customer is always right, but the customer doesn't know what they want Mm -hmm. until you give them what's wrong. We, I got to make a lot of lifelong friends who are still my contents even now, 10 years down the line. And I got to learn how to be professional and take life seriously and, um, over deliver and under promise. And those have been lessons that I take and implement in my life going forward and then i got to do the cpd and get my MH through that it was a very grilling um program there were a lot of courses and because i was doing the cpd while full-time employed it it took a lot but i got through it and it gave me a huge sense of accomplishment because the things that I was scared of and the things that I thought I couldn't do because I don't work in an IT shop uh, where the other students are working and uh, they seem to have an advantage because they've been doing this for a lot of years. Cause a number of people who were in the CPD program are people who had years of industry uh, experience and as a person who had only been working for a few years, and not even working in an IT uh, shop specifically, it would make one very um, unsure of the input that they're giving. But when we did courses there and you started realizing that you your voice matters and there's things that you can help other people with who are not specifically looking at the human side of mm. the whole thing. And um it might have taken a long time to get the m h, but I learned a lot of lessons. I remember one I wanted to have a research project that would be um helping kids with maths, so developing a a program that would um, help kids with maths and recording the findings from the like the use of technology in schools and That sadly did not happen in that time because research showed me flames in in the uh, (laughs) CPD uh, space. But I got to learn other software engineering concepts that I am using right now in in my uh, current space. And then I got a chance to um, run CoachLab. After having been a student in CoachLab, four years later, I was actually now coordinating coach lab for jcse and it was a huge full second full circle moment um and i got to give other students what was given to me i and this time it was from somebody who looked like them who could tell them the pitfalls who could tell them who was still very fresh from the experience where i could tell them if you're not putting in the work this is what's going to happen and i'm not speaking in a theoretical space this is what happened to me or one of my friends during our stay at coach lab and my most favorite thing i did when we were working together with prof is the starting up of um, impact our schools program and running it the number of lessons i learned from that project it's I really cannot even sum them up. The first thing we did with Impact was uh, develop a informational poster. It showed me that I'm actually a closet artist, <laughs> and I got to do some graphic design, learn a few skills. Um, Impact didn't have a lot of resources to it, so all the things you would normally outsource were things I needed to learn to upskill myself, and as I learned them, it was things that I taught to the students. So in our first installment of uh, of Impact, we had learning how to code, but along with learning how to code, we had a bit of graphic design, a bit of presentation skills. And the program was a huge success because we started with Great Dimes, and when I left in Twenty seventeen, we had a couple of students who were actually doing computer-related courses at university at that time. So it's one of my most proudest moments.
0: Mm, absolutely.
1: So what what I find just like really wonderful and like kind of mind blowing is sort of like the uh, almost like like the full circle. ...ness, if I can say that, uh, of like, you know, you actively like working in this field and then like going back to do the CBD and then also being able to be like, Hey, actually, if you guys don't like do these things, this is what's going to happen. And I know this experientially, not just theoretically. And I think that's, that's pretty incredible. And it feels like you really have like a deep understanding for the things that you learned and are now practicing. And I sort of want to understand So, obviously, you know, uh, Prof. uh, Dodasky sort of mentioned it earlier, um, but you're doing some work uh, at the Future Nation School, um, where, you know, you're sort of like doing a lot of the pioneering and the development of the curriculum for IT uh, for school kids. And so, I'm curious to understand a little bit more about this
2: role specifically and the things that you're doing. Um, So, with, with this role, it was also another very interesting uh story so <laughs> so they they had heard about impact and they approached me um and the brief i got was we want to do coding grade one to grade nine um go ahead and it was like okay I've i've been teaching kids how to code for five years but what we've been doing is Two weeks in June, two weeks in December. What do you mean, grade one to grade nine? And they're like, no, there's a few. There's only a few people who are doing this. Um, we've seen kids uh, have projects. We want that in our space. So you go out there and figure out how that's gonna happen. And I, I remember for the first two months, it was like a. So where do I go now? I can't just go do the project the two week project for nine grades um, it took a lot of research luckily around the world there are a number of um, countries that are already doing coding from grade one to grade 12 so at least I had a couple a uh, couple of examples to learn from and looked at curriculums from all over the world but also, when you look at curriculum from all over the world, you realize that everybody's doing their own flavor of it. Yeah. So yeah. the people in England are doing a certain flavor and the people in America are doing something else. The themes might be the same, but the implementation is very different. And it also then came back to what do I want these kids to learn? So. I could easily just go copy what the rest of the world is doing. But what do I want to add? What's the spice that I want to add? Um, So sat down, figured out what we want to do with it. Worked as a one woman show because a lot of the people in the education space are still very afraid of technology. So you'd get your superiors still saying, no, you're the one who understands this. As long as stuff is happening, we're fine. As long as there's output, as long as we can see what's happening, we're fine with it. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I was given a lot of leeway to sort of fully develop it and see what works, what doesn't work. And it's not something which I can say will ever be fully developed. The tech space changes so quickly that as we teach kids skills, there's something else that can do it quicker. So it's been a learning um, experience and we've had kids um, develop really great um, projects from it. So this, the environment I, I work in is a project-based learning environment and that helped in the structuring of the curriculum. So at, After every term, kids need to have something that they can exhibit and it works to my advantage because then I can structure the lessons so that at the end of 10 weeks, they've got something that they can show. Um, one of my favorite projects that we worked on is the grade fours were creating games for grade ones. And these were very different games. So there's numerous apps on the market that teach kids about numeracy and uh, literacy. But most of them are written outside of South Africa and they're written in English. Mm. So the project um, stipulated that they need to write the code, uh, they need to write a program that will work for teaching Zulu, Soto or Afrikaans. So... Mm. They were not really replicating uh, the stuff. They were building South African solutions. And giving a eight, nine-year-old a space to build something that's going to be useful for someone else um, is very fulfilling. You should have seen the, their parents when they got to see the, the projects that their kids had worked on. It's yeah. amazing. Um, we got our grade eights um to work on websites so what i was trying to teach them was html but i needed to infuse a human element to it so Mm. we looked at businesses around the community so your your local got shop is doing great work but nobody thinks of creating a website for a Gotter shop Sure. sure so the task was for them to go create websites for local businesses or um old age homes, like NGOs around their space that don't even have the money for it. And it took them going and talking to actual clients on how they would want their product to be um, represented. Those are skills that I only learned when I was on Coach Lab um, post-varsity. And these are grade eights that are learning those skills. And another project which um, I am really proud of So um, the brief was expanded after a couple of years. The initial brief was grade one to grade nine. And when the kids got to grade nine, they were like, okay, grade 10 and 11 also need a curriculum. And I sat there for a while and thought, what do I teach grade 10 and 11? (laughs) That is not CAT and that is not IT because those subjects already exist. So what, what do I teach them? And um, I had an idea of actually introducing them to the online learning space. So there's a lot of courses out there online. How do we make sure that our kids have that nature built into them where they will go find a course, explore it and see that some are free, some you can just do for learning and not pay for the certificates because, hey, the $100 that you need to pay for a certificate is a lot of money, but at least you've got the knowledge. So we got courses from edX, we got courses from Cisco, we got courses from IBM. Um, My grade 10s have just finished writing their uh, uh, how to build a chatbot certification. So we've got kids who are in grade 10 who are walking around with industry standard certification, which I feel is an amazing feat on its own. So that's sort of what I do in that space. And I, I keep learning. I One of the other huge challenges we found was that, hey, now we've got the curriculum, where are the teachers to teach this curriculum? So I remember when we started with implementing the curriculum in 2018, we actually had no teachers at all. After writing the curriculum, I had to go and teach my first class of grade fours. And it was amazing to say the least because I knew nothing about classroom management. Um, The kids I had worked with on the Impact program are specific smart kids who wanted to be in the program. So they already had the love for computing but did not have the the resources around us now i was in a class with kids who yes others want to learn the others don't want to learn and the others are quicker than the others the pacing is not the same so i learned a lot and right now i'm working with a team of interns that i'm teaching how to teach computing as we expand and grow bigger
0: Really, this is amazing and i think it's. It's um, kind of really shows how um, uh, teaching is 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 a nonlinear thing, you know. You you do, you go back, you improve. Um, the um, key thing that I noticed when you worked with us at JCSE and at the Simolong precinct, your two most amazing attributes were to bring creativity out of the young people. It sounds like you're still doing that. And then you um, kind of really focused on mentoring them on not just giving them tasks, but you got very engaged. And in terms of uh, how to teach young people, how important is it to, um, to kind of bring creativity and fun into the classroom?
2: Uh so fun needs to be there. Like if it's not fun, then I, I really feel it's not worth um doing. When I worked um on the Impact program, I was fortunate enough to work th- with my little sister as a volunteer and she is the creative pot, the one who'd come with um all the ideas around Implementing the fun side of it. So, if, if both of us were a business, she, I'm the brain, she's the fun, and makes sure that everybody comes together. And I got to learn a lot from somebody who is seven years younger than me. And a great thing for her, too, is she did go on to go study um, arts, and she's also teaching. So, she's teaching arts and something very creative at this point. Um, But I got to learn a lot of lessons from her of how to introduce the fun element. And I am using them even now. The projects which I I spoke of, we try and make them fun. So one of the things that um, is a value at Future Nation School, so fun is actually a value. And when you go present projects that you want kids to do, the colleagues will sit and figure out how fun it will be for the students. Um, and another element that adds fun when kids can see that the work they're doing is impacting somebody real. It's a real solution. It's somebody's going to say thank you at the end of the day. Thank you, you. made my life a bit easier. It It adds an element of fun on its own and creativity. The digital space allows for people to be creative in so many ways. Um, I'm a creative at heart, I would like to think. I I paint, I sing. Sadly, I don't dance, can't dance to save my life. But <laughs> um, the digital space allows me to do that. And it allows kids to showcase their talents. Kids get... Um, Kids get so excited when they can show off what they've done. And that's how we do the creative and the fun. And it's vital. Your class is kind of dry and boring. You'll miss a lot of kids. And when teaching computing, one of the lessons I have learned through Impact and through some of the interns we've had, a lot of people focus on the technical stuff. And they lose a lot Mm. of people. They are great lecturers in the tech space, but they make their content so dry and so technical that um, people, people just get lost and think it's not for them. And that's why I I have self-proclaimed myself the tech fairy. And the job of the tech fairy is to say to people, you can actually do this. It's it's not that um, it's not that hard. Because a lot of people in the tech space are smart. And because they're smart, uh, they sort of close off the tech space. They make people think that coding is this thing that only super geniuses can do. And if you're not super brainy, it's not something that you're going to be able to do. So it's my work as a tech fairy is trying to dispel that myth and show people that if you break it down to smaller chunks, if you learn why you do the things you do, it's something that can be done by any number of people.
0: Yeah, and I think you've really touched on it in terms of um, kind of not focusing only on the hardcore tech stuff, but keeping people engaged.
2: Yes, the hardcore tech stuff is a whole lot easier to teach to people who want to know so most of mm-hmm. the time we make it so hard that people don't even want to know so true and i think even
1: that thing you were saying around like bringing the the fun element in like as someone who is is not a child technically i also cannot stomach Any sort of learning activity that is not fun at the very least. And I think, you know, trying to start as young as possible is probably the right way because it feels like you're able to get that mix of like, you know, curiosity and like, you know, to make people feel like they're safe enough to feel curious and to like explore and understand what it means to learn on their own. But then also to kind of get that social side where it's like, cool, there is a social problem and you can use technology, which in this case is coding to solve it. I think that is. Really, really powerful, and
2: you're nailing it. Yes, and, and even with, with the younger people, it's even easier because um, I think the older we grow, we are more afraid to make mistakes. So with younger people, if you yeah. teach them that it's fun and it's okay to make mistakes, and if you make a mistake, we'll all learn as a class, it, it makes it a whole lot easier. I remember how freaked out I was about robotics until I had to teach robotics to kids, I actually learned robotics when I needed to teach it to kids, when I needed to mm-hmm. think, how do I make this fun? How do I make them learn about it? All the time mm-hmm. when I was around um, people who were doing stuff about, around robotics and hardware, it seemed as something that I could not do. It seemed too technical because they made it look too technical. But if kids in China who are four are doing robotics, there is a way to introduce it. It can't be that difficult to introduce.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's um, plenty talk around at the moment uh, um, about 4IR and jobs of the future. And um, how the... And you, you uh, mentioned uh, doing uh, robotics and other things. But um, how are the curricula that you're designing taking this 4IR and jobs of the future into account. And and um, how's it different from old-fashioned IT training for school-aged young people?
2: Um, so, robotics is one of the things which I, I feel is something we do. Maybe to start off with the 4IR ten, and it's coming, it's been gone. It, it, sometimes I feel that 4IR is a swear word 'Cause
0: I agree you, with you.
2: Because a lot of people use it even in spaces where it just does not apply. Um, so with our curriculum and how I've designed it to work, um, so we start off with robotics from grade one. And we teach kids how to put stuff together. And it can be something as simple as a puzzle or putting together a model. And we, are, I feel one of my biggest aims with the curriculum is to teach kids to be creators of tech and not just mere users of tech. So we will go use the robotics kit to learn from it and they will need to take it and apply it to a situation, a scenario that we build up. And I feel that's building the skills for now and the future. Um, I feel with getting people ready for the fourth industrial revolution. It's actually getting them ready around their thinking more than technical skills, getting them ready around how to collaborate because in in this space, there's no way you will survive without being able to collaborate, getting them to understand the underlying technology so that even if you're not going to go out there and be in the tech space, when people are speaking of blockchain, you need to understand what they mean before they go sell you something very expensive that they themselves got for free. So that's the things that we focus on on the on the curriculum. And I feel with grade ten and eleven, we go in very in depth with them. So with the grade um, ten class, we cover stuff like artificial intelligence and Understanding the terms around big data so that when people are having conversations, it's not just flying over your head. You can make informed decisions. And if you want to um, go and evaluate the, the topic further, we give them the resources to be able to do so
1: cool so i i think uh and, and you sort of also touched on this in the beginning uh, when you were talking about like your role, role models and and just sort of like the larger question around sort of representation um and i know that you've done quite a bit of uh really really good and meaningful work in terms of like bringing women and and young girls into the digital sort of professions or, or digital industry and um I guess my question is sort of what what you think the reason is that fewer women work in computing, and what we've done uh, as an
2: industry uh, to try and change this. Okay, so I, I think the problem of fewer women in technology starts at home. It starts when your mom says, uh, you, Daddy, go. You go fix the lights, You go fix that. You go fix that, Daddy." Um, You go sort out something on the computer because I just don't get this. So the little girl emulates that girls just don't get this. And I I remember when I started um, at Future Nation schools, a lot of girls had decided that tech is not for them. They just don't understand computers. And this is a person who's got an iPad and a cell phone and is using computing power all the time but they just don't understand tech or they've trained their mind that they just don't understand tech. And I think one of the best things that could have happened is a person who's a girl walking into the space and saying, we are going to be doing computing and I'll be teaching you computing. So it it helped them see that it's something that's actually doable. And it's, there are females in the space who are doing amazing things and i think as an industry there are now a number of of girls in the industry and there's people that uh, people can look up to and it's it's getting better by the day it needed those a few brave souls to start out but it's getting better by the day like i can think of a whole number of Amazing people, people who were in coach lab with me, people who were Mm. in programs at the Innovation Hub, who have opened up because we knew that tech was not accessible to us when we started. I think a lot of them also have the heart of going back and making it visible and making it something that other girls can do too. So we are not just talking about it. We are bringing girls Mm. up. We are saying this is where you start, and from here, I will share my content. I will share the people I know, and this is how you can grow in the space. I don't think it's all gloom and doom at the moment, and I think if we look at the space in the next couple of years, things would have changed.
0: Yeah, and I've 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 kind of noticed that that there's so many women. Who are sort of rising to very responsible positions, and many uh, young women coming into to the digital community and uh, doing well. So I'm I'm looking forward to a time where we see much more uh, diversity and and e- equity. Um, you've you've talked about the place you work at the the uh, Future Nations Schools. And, um, in fact, listeners might not know what what Future Nation schools are. Could you just maybe talk a bit about what the model is and what the schools are about?
2: Um, so, Future Nation schools are middle-income uh, private schools. We've got two campuses at the moment, and it's a private school from preschool where I have my daughter enrolled to grade 11, highest grade this year is grade 11. And they'll be doing their grade, uh, their metric next year. Um, we run a PBL school, so all of our learning is done through projects and we are not teaching the content at the beginning, then giving kids a project at the end but we teach content through a project. When you walk into a class to go introduce a topic, you already have a project and they'll be working towards something. And one of the most um, interesting things I've seen with that, it it gives learning um, a reason. So a lot of people went through school and they thought, um, I'm in biology class. I'm, Learning about the eye what's the reason when if we were to be teaching the eye uh, students would be working on maybe a campaign to make people aware of eye um, problems or helping something so when they start off, they know what they're learning um, what the learning is connected to and Another nice thing about projects is every project needs to have an adult connection. So it's not just your teacher who's telling you that you need to know this, but we get people from industry to say, I work in this field. And in my everyday space, this is how this topic would live itself out. So I feel it's a very powerful uh, teaching model. It's very demanding on the teachers, but the the outcome and how kids learn after that is, is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah it uh, certainly sounds very interesting and very innovative. And, and this notion of mentoring is very strong, as you say, within the, within the model of the school. Um, your, your entire professional life has been about passing the baton. You're a born teacher. And what teachers do is they pass their knowledge on in in and in creative and fun ways, hopefully. But uh, not all teachers do that. But um, suppose you had five minutes with a young person who was curious about getting into digital, um, and your your five minutes sort of pitch to them. Uh, what would you say to them to encourage them to, to get involved in the digital space?
2: So my first five minutes with the first statement would be, everything is figure outable, if that's even something to say. Mm. Um, a lot of people are afraid of getting into the tech space because they feel there's a lot that they can break or it's not accessible. I remember one of the reasons why I did not like robotics per se was, it felt like it was very elitist. You needed to have 12,000 rands to go spend on a kit before you even start. But those barriers are coming down day by day. There's so many people who are doing very interesting stuff and bringing the costs down a lot. And uh, things uh, just don't, there isn't that barrier anymore. So I would say Go into it. You can figure stuff out as you go along. Um, Find people who can help you. The tech uh, space has a lot of people who actually do want to help. There are more people who want to help than people who don't. But when you do get into the space, understand that people won't just give you things. You need to go out for, for those things and you need to work for them. And one thing which is also a lesson to me right now is when you know the things, then speak up. Um, in, in my professional space, I feel I could have gotten a lot further than I am right now if I spoke up, because there's a lot of things I knew and i with the brilliance that's in me, because sometimes I felt like uh, maybe if I speak up, I, I'm not the candidate that you'd be expecting to speak up. But as I spoke up and as I experimented and as I opened up to things, there are there's a world of opportunity. Africa is still at a very infant stage, even though there's a lot of tech players. There's still a lot of room to grow. There's still a lot of things to discover and things to be built. So get in. There's plenty for everyone. But as you get in, be ready to learn and be ready to advocate for yourself.
0: That's uh, such good advice, and I hope yeah. people listening to this are taking that in. So, yeah. akoli uh, thank you so much for this discussion. I think that that you you've you've definitely blossomed and grown from strength to strength, and I can see that you are a mover and shaker. It's uh, not just being on a magazine cover, you are really a mover and shaker in this industry. And thank you so much for your time coming onto our podcast. And I hope that we'll have you on again to hear about all the other amazing things you do.
2: Yes, please. (laughs) No, thank you guys for even thinking about me for, of people that you've passed on the baton to, and it, it's really real, so it's not just something that you are saying. There's a lot of conversations we've had where I felt like you were really passing on the baton. I I remember times when you'd say to people when we meet them, "Uh, this is my right-hand woman. And it (laughs) it really built up the, the confidence and I do look up to you and I do feel like I am passing on a whole lot so i'm also excited and really i really feel happy to have taken part in the series
0: thank you Dolly.
1: this podcast is a grand geeks production it is produced by professor barry dwelatsky and edited by evan Wigdorowitz. it is presented by professor barry dwelatsky and karen gammy Music is done by Callum Cool and logo designed by Evan Rydorovitz. The companion website is at www.softwareengineer.org.za.